Hey there, and welcome to the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. I'm your host, Marley Sievers. With four years of high school coaching experience, six years of experience as an instructor and choreographer for the National Cheerleaders Association, and over a decade in the cheerleading industry, join me as we navigate through the world of high school coaching together. Here we go. Welcome back. We are going to be talking about how to build a great team culture today. And after sharing some information about positive culture and power positivity by John Gordon, I wanted to kind of touch base on some other resources that he has. Like this one here is the 14 thoughts about building a great culture. And I kind of wanted to run through this and give my two cents. As I've mentioned before, the team that I coach is a fairly new program, and we as a coaching staff are trying to instill a great team culture. The first point he makes is that great leaders build and drive great cultures. They know it's their number one priority, and they can't delegate it. They must lead and be engaged in the process. Now, I would agree that great leaders are the ones that drive the great culture. So as a coach, you want to make sure that those in leadership roles have the same vision for your culture as you do, meaning make sure that they have that positive mindset, they aren't negative, they aren't trying to get involved in drama, they want a great team culture just as much as you do. He then goes on to number two, great culture is the reason why great organizations have sustained success. Culture drives expectations and beliefs. Expectations and beliefs drive behavior Behavior drives habits, and habits create the future. I agree with this also. I feel like creating habits is a great way to get started on creating the future that you desire, not only in cheerleading, but in life. You have to have great habits throughout your day in order to have the life that you want for yourself. For example, waking up and going to the gym or in cheerleading, making sure that you're conditioning every single day or you're hitting the technique just right on your stunts. Number three is culture beats strategy. Strategy is important, but it is your culture that will determine whether your strategy is successful. So you could have every plan in place, every goal sheet tracker steps to achieve goals steps to do this or that but if your culture is not where it needs to be then you can't do those strategies you can't put them in place in order to be successful everyone's got to have the mindset that they can achieve those things and build a great team culture so that the plan can be played out the way it was meant to Number four says, if you focus on the fruit of the tree, outcomes and numbers, and ignore the root, culture, your tree will die. But if you focus on and nourish the root, you will always have a great supply of fruit. So meaning nourishing that culture creates a better outcome, kind of ties into number three. You have to have that great culture in order to see your plans play out. Number five says, when building a team and organization, you must shape your culture before it shapes you. A culture is forming whether you like it or not. The key is to identify what you want your culture and organization to stand for. Once you know the values and principles that you stand for, every decision is easy to make, including the people you recruit and hire. I think this is a great tip, not only for the world of cheerleading, but in the workplace. If the culture that 
you are trying to establish doesn't match with those that you've hired, it's kind of easy to pick out and determine who's going to be someone that maintains that culture and creates a great team and is a great leader, somebody who's reliable and that you can count on to carry out your vision. Number six, a culture of greatness doesn't happen by accident. It happens when a leader expects greatness and each person in the organization builds it, lives it, values it, reinforces it, and fights for it. So again, touching base on those you have in your leadership position. It's not just the coaching staff. It's who you have as your captains, your leaders, your upperclassmen. Every person in the organization has to build it, has to live it, has to eat, sleep, breathe it in order for it to work, in order for it to maintain itself and be sustainable. Number seven, culture is dynamic, not static. Everyone in your organization creates your culture by what they think, say, and do each day. Culture is led from the top down, but it comes to life from the bottom up. Now, a good example of this would actually be monitoring what your athletes are saying. If something that comes out isn't matching the culture, it needs to be addressed right away. And we need to get them back on track. If anything negative comes out of someone's mouth, you should ask them, what's going on? Why are you saying that you don't want to be here? How can we make it better? And how can we light that fire within you again? Why are you here? Why do you do cheerleading? Ask them and remind them of their why. I had to do this for my athletes the other day, asking each one of them why they did cheerleading, why they love the sport. And it's just a good reminder for everyone, especially in the midst of this season when competition is right around the corner. Everyone's got to push through. Everyone's got to dig deep and sustain that culture instead of turning it into something negative. The plan is to talk to our athletes about the words that they say and remind them that they control their outcome with the way that they speak. So by saying, we're not going to do great, we're not going to hit this stunt, well, Of course you're not. You just said that and you spoke that into existence. But instead saying, I'm working hard, we're going to hit this. Now that's a positive outlook. And that is what we want to shift to keep building this positive culture. Number eight, your culture is not just your tradition. It is the people in your building who carry it on. And that's a quote from Brad Stevens, the head coach of the Boston Celtics. So even if your seniors graduate Even if you lose a member of the coaching staff, your culture should maintain itself from the people who were in the program or within the program that can carry it on. They will teach the next generation and so on and so forth. Number nine, when leading a new team or organization, it will take longer to build a new culture if you allow negative people from the previous culture to contaminate the process. So if you're a new coach and you're taking over a program, sometimes it's hard to instill your values if people are so used to what the program was like before. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially if it's like traditions and things that go along with school spirit and school pride. However, if people from the previous culture are negative and they are bringing down the program and bringing down their teammates, then there needs to be some sort of conversation had with them. And it's not just if you're taking over a new program, there can be seasons in the past where there was a lot of drama, there was a lot of negativity. And this new season that you're trying to start over fresh and have that 
great culture may get contaminated in the process because people still have the mindset of, well, so-and-so did this last year, so-and-so forgot to do this or didn't communicate that. And it's like, we have to learn to let it go and move on in order to start new. And once you begin building this positive culture, more often than not, those that tend to hold on to the negative and try to surround themselves with drama will break off on their own. They will leave the program. And that actually ties into number 10. He says, when you build a strong, positive culture, most of the energy vampires will leave by themselves because they don't fit in. But you may also have to let a few energy vampires off the bus. Now, if it's a continuous problem with an individual or an athlete or their parents, then I would hope that you've had multiple conversations and meetings and talk to the athletic director before letting them off the bus. But if it comes to that and you're trying to build that positive culture and that program, it needs to happen in order to be successful. Number 11, creating a culture where people are afraid to fail leads to failure. Allowing them to fail and learn from failure ultimately leads to success. I really like this one because in my Q&A episode, I talked a little bit about my fear of failure personally and knowing that if you never try, you will never succeed. You will never even have the opportunity to fail. So it's important, I think, as a coach to teach your athletes that they can learn from their failures, their opportunities to grow, their opportunities to improve and succeed. Our coaching staff actually went to the Positive Coaching Alliance's training recently, a few weeks ago. And I want to talk about the Positive Coaching Alliance separately, but I did want to mention that one of the coaches I had met there had said that she wanted her athletes to know that it is okay to fail. One of the questions they had asked us at this training was, what do you hope your athletes think about you? What would they say about you as a coach? And she wants her athletes to be able to say that I taught them that it's okay to fail. Number 12, change is a part of every culture and organization. Embracing change and innovating will ensure that your organization thrives. So maybe making sure that you are not consumed by staying the same. I know that often we change things up because we want to make sure that we know what works best for our athletes. So some days we will start with our 10 hits. Some days we will start with weights, running the mile. We just want to make sure that we are changing it up so that we can accurately see which method is working the best for our athletes to succeed. And it's not just that, but that's an example of changing something up. Maybe you need to change up how often your team does team building activities, or maybe you need to change up the order of your cheers. It's just about seeing where in your program has something been monotonous or stagnant and try to evaluate it and see if it needs an upgrade so that you can see if doing so will create success in your program. Number 13, progress is important, but when innovating and driving change, make sure you honor your tradition, purpose, and culture. This generates power from your past to create your future. So as we sort of talked about, as long as it's not something that is a tradition, something that is for your school's spirit and camaraderie, honoring your traditions is a great way to keep that culture So honoring how we do the fight song, honoring how we do a cheer every time 
our basketball team hits a free throw. Number 14, culture is like a tree. It takes years to cultivate and grow, and yet it can be chopped down in a minute. Protect your culture. So no matter how hard you work, no matter how much effort, energy, drive, passion, you and the people in your organization put into building that culture, if you let one negative thing affect it, then it's all gone. One negative person, one negative comment, one thing that doesn't align with your culture can tear it down in an instant. So protect it. And if something comes up, squash it immediately. We don't want something that we've worked so hard to build and create to get ruined. In a TED Talk by Chris White, he talks about three ways to create a work culture that brings out the best in employees. He goes on to say that it's important to avoid checking out. That's the easiest way to lose employees in a company or in a culture or in an organization is when they check out. So to avoid checking out, action has to be taken. He says that words without action breed cynicism. And this really stood out to me because not only in a team or in an organization do you have to take action when you say you're going to do something, when you say you want this to be better or you're going to come into practice more positively. In life, you have to do that too. You can say all day long how you want to live a more healthy lifestyle, but until you take action, does it actually mean anything or do anything? So when you make empty promises, then it just creates a more negative culture. So as a coach, if I were to say, we're going to start doing this every single day and then we never do, then there's only negativity instilled in the words that I'm speaking because they're not being carried out. Same thing goes with your athletes. If they say they're going to start showing up on time, if they're saying they're going to start wearing the right clothes, then you start to lose trust in your athletes because they're not doing those things. They need to actually carry them out. Another great TED Talk is How Great Leaders Inspire Action by Simon Sinek. I actually had to write a whole paper on this one for one of my classes. It was really awesome. But basically, he talks about how great leaders inspire action is not through the what. They start with why. Everything starts with why. So if you have a strong enough reason and purpose and passion for what you're doing, then others will take that on and follow through. In his speech, Simon relates his golden circle to a cross-section of the human brain. He goes on to say that The human brain is broken into three major components that correlate perfectly with the golden circle. Our neurocortex corresponds with the what level. The neurocortex is responsible for all of our rational and analytical thought and language. The middle two sections make up our limbic brains, and our limbic brains are responsible for all of our feelings like trust and loyalty. It's also responsible for all human behavior, all decision-making, and it has no capacity for language. The middle layer of his golden circle represents the how, and the inside layer represents the why, and by relating the brain to his golden circle, the audience can understand the reason behind following those who lead with why. It's because of a feeling of knowing or believing. He also expresses that there are leaders and then there are those who lead. He states that leaders hold a position of power or authority, but those who lead inspire us. Those that start with the why are the ones who inspire those around them, or they find someone else to be inspired by. 
So I think it's important that before you begin building your team culture, you first look inward and see your why. Why do you coach? What is the reason for building this program? And then ask your athletes what their why is. Why do they want to be a part of this team? Why do they want to help you build this culture? All right, before I end this episode, I just wanted to thank you all again for listening. Thank you for making this possible. I wanted to try something new and start taking listener questions. So if you go over to my show notes and click the link underneath where it says, ask me anything, you can send me a voice message and I will incorporate it into the next episode. I hope to be able to use this as a platform to answer any of your questions, kind of talk about how I would handle certain situations and just kind of get to know my audience a little bit better. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. To be notified when another episode is posted, visit the link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter. Don't forget to follow the Life of a Cheerleading Coach on Instagram and Facebook, and be sure to click the listener support button on my anchor page. To be featured in the next episode, use the link in the show notes to leave me a voice message. Thanks again for listening and go make a difference. Thank you.